Thank you so much. How many of you brought your Bible with you tonight? Uh, would you hold up the Bible all over the building? Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're going to have to help me with this one. Uh, I want to see if you can find this one. We're in the Old Testament tonight in the book of Habakkuk. All right, the book of Habakkuk, chapter number 1. And I'll help you, I'll help you. Uh, it's page 955 if you have an old Schofield Bible. All right. Somebody said, man, don't even mention the book. Just give us the page number. So there you go, 955, the book of Habakkuk, chapter number 1. I'd like to read some verses here in just a moment and share some things with you from this text tonight. Habakkuk, chapter 1. You know, Thanksgiving has just, man, just crept up on me. I don't know if uh, all that's happened in these days. My mind is just totally, uh, I had no idea that next week, next Thursday is Thanksgiving. And uh, so uh, things are moving quickly. But I said that to say this, next Tuesday night, we'll meet on Tuesday night next week. And I'm going to ask some of our preacher boys to maybe preach for us that night, do something a little bit different, and give them an opportunity to preach for us. And we'll have a regular service, get you out regular time, and hear from some different preachers, which will be a real blessing. And so I hope you'll be here for the service next Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. Of course, the Lord's Day, the regular times. Please pray for the services. All right, Habakkuk. Say that five times real fast. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Boy, I like that. Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk, chapter number one. Let's begin reading with verse number one. All right? Look at this verse. The burden which Habakkuk, the prophet, did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry unto thee out of the, uh, unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity? And cause me to behold grievance, for spoiling and violence are before me. And there are they there are that, uh, that rise up strife, uh, raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold ye among the heathen. And regard and wonder marvelously, for I, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. Now, I know reading that, you're probably as confused as maybe because I kind of misread a whole lot of that, but I'm telling you, there's a great message in this text tonight for us sitting right where we sit on November the 18th, 2020. And so if you'll stay with me for just a moment, I want to go back and kind of move around to these verses a little bit and kind of make some comparisons to that, from that day to our day and what we can learn from this text. Let's pray. Father, please bless your word tonight. Uh, thank you for the good songs. Kind of goes right along with what we're preaching about tonight. And I pray, God, that you'd use your word to speak to our hearts tonight. Please bless the master's program, master clubs on the other side, the children that are there. And I pray the seed of God's word will be sown in their heart that will one day germinate and produce fruit unto everlasting life in their life. And God bless all the teachers over there. Please bless that into the building. Bless in here, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I had you to open your Bible tonight to the book, Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Right at the end of our Old Testament, there are 12 books, rather short books, right at the end of the Old Testament that we commonly refer to as the minor prophets. Now, they're not called minor prophets because of the significance of their message. 
because their message is very significant. But why uh, they're called minor prophets because of the size of their message. For instance, these 12 books at the end of the Old Testament, not, not near as large as the book of Jeremiah or the book of Isaiah or the book of Ezekiel. And so they're referred to just because of the shortness, the conciseness of their message, they're referred to as minor prophets. And one of those 12 books at the end of our Old Testament is the book of Habakkuk. It has only three chapters. It has 56 verses and 1,373 words in this book. Now the reason I had you to open your Bible there tonight is because there are so many similarities between what Habakkuk was going through in his day and in his nation to what you and I are going through in our day and we see going on in our nation as well. Habakkuk. What do you know about Habakkuk? Well, let me tell you, uh, if I can just quickly, let me just tell you everything that I could find out about Habakkuk. All right, with that out of the way now, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot said about this old boy in the Bible. The only place in the whole Bible that his name appears is in the book that he, that he wrote. About the only thing we do know about him is that what his name means. And the name Habakkuk means this. It means to embrace or it means to wrestle. And, and I kind of see that going together because if you, if you wrestle somebody, you have to embrace them. You have to hang on to them. And when you embrace them and wrestle them, then a struggle ensues. And that's exactly what's going on in the book of Habakkuk in the life of the prophet. He is struggling. He is wrestling with all that is going on. You know, you and I say, preachers do, and, and many other, others of us do as well, but we say something like this, come to Jesus, it'll take care of the problems of your life. And we mean well when we say that. We really do. And by the way, coming to Jesus does take care of the greatest problem of your life, and that's your spiritual problem. But I think all of us in here know by experience that just by coming to, G to Jesus doesn't take away all of the problems of your life. You know, to be a Christian don't mean that your problems just automatically vanish. We know by experience that just doesn't happen. We know that even after we get saved, we have to face some problems. We have to go up some real mountains. We go through some very deep valleys in our life. And the truth of the matter is, some of you are there tonight. We as a nation, I think we as God's people tonight, are somewhat in some type of a, of a valley over all that's transpired in, in recent weeks. And when these problems happen in our life, it leads us to ask two questions. Question number one, why did God? Why did God allow this to happen? You ever asked that question before? God, if you're all-powerful and you're all-knowing and, and it, Lord, you're, 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 you're so great, you can create worlds and galaxies and, and, uh, and, and worlds, you can do all of that. Why did you allow this to happen? Why didn't you stop this from happening? One of the questions we always ask is, why did God? And the next question we ask kind of follows up with that one. Why didn't God? God, why don't you step in and do something about it? I mean, if you're the God that we believe that you are, and by the way, we know that he is, uh, why don't God do something about the problems that we face? Why don't God just step into this situation that's going on in our nation? And by the way, I'm praying about that, and I know many of you are praying about that as well. Well, that was the problem that was going on with Habakkuk. His question was, God, why did you? 
Why did you allow this to happen? And God, why don't you do something about it? And that was Habakkuk's problem in his day. Maybe I can say it like this. Old Habakkuk had more questions than he did answers. I wonder how many of us sitting in this room tonight, we got more questions than we do answers. Maybe how many of us are sitting in this room tonight don't even know the questions. I mean, we got so much going on in our lives today. Well, here's what makes the prophet, the prophet Habakkuk a little bit unusual. Because we know that when God called prophets, normally prophets were men who confronted the people for God. But Habakkuk is the problem, is the prophet that confronts God for the people. Big difference. Habakkuk didn't come on the scene confronting the people about their sin. He kind of steps out on the spotlight of the human eye, and man, he begins to confront God about what's going on. Let's just face it tonight, you know, Habakkuk had a lot of problems. He looked around at his land that day. He saw all that was happening in his nation, and he was just saying, God, why, why don't you do something about this? God, why don't you step in to this situation? You know, Habakkuk is called the Doubting Thomas of the Old Testament. And he does have his doubts. He has his fears. But he did the right thing with them. He took them to the Lord. Well, as we delve into the opening verses of this book tonight, we kind of get an idea of how similar Habakkuk's day was to the day in which you and I are living in. We kind of get an idea of how Habakkuk's yesterdays are so similar to our today's. So if you'll join me in this text tonight, just quickly, let me, let me lay this thing out for you tonight. Let's talk a little bit about Habakkuk and what he says in the opening verses of this book. First of all, I want you to see, number one, what I want to call his perplexing burden. His perplexing burden. He starts out the book by talking about a burden. Look at verse 1. The burden which Habakkuk, the prophet, did see. Now he starts right off telling us, I got a burden. I have got a burden. The word burden carries with it the idea of an animal that is laying down uh, with a heavy, a heavy load. You know, everybody in this room tonight know what it, knows what it is to carry a burden. There isn't a one of us, you've been saved any amount of time, there's not a one of us in here that hasn't been carried or hasn't carried a heavy load some point or another in our Christian life. Maybe tonight you come into this room and you're carrying, you're laden down with a heavy burden in your life. Maybe that burden that you're carrying is about a child, a child that's wayward and turned its back on God. Maybe that burden that you're carrying tonight is with a spouse or for a spouse that is totally and completely out of the will of God. Maybe that burden that you have tonight is for a lost loved one. Maybe somebody you're really burdened about. And maybe, maybe your burden is a situation that you're facing in this walk of life. And most of us, we know what to do with burdens. Here's what we do with them. You, you lay them down and you get them up. You know, we come to church with them. We walk out the doors with them. We go to work with them. We bring them back home with them. And it's a heavy burden that's laying, bearing down upon us. Well, that's what Habakkuk said. I just want to tell you, I got a burden. And when he looked around at his nation and the condition that his, his nation was in, man, he said, I'll tell you, this is a burden. It is a burden, heavy burden upon us. Now, we do know this about Habakkuk. He prophesied somewhere along the same time that Jeremiah did. 
And both prophets prophesied uh, shortly before the coming and the conquering and the captivity of Babylon. Jeremiah wept about it. Remember that old Jeremiah the weeping prophet? Talked about his eyes flowing down like rivers of tears. Jeremiah wept about the burden that he saw while Habakkuk, he wondered about the burden he saw. And he tells us here in verse number 1 that it's not only something that he uh, sensed in his heart, but it was something that he saw with his eyes. He said, it's the burden that I see. Now we do know at this particular time that the nation of Judah was in a real mess. We know that prior to the prophesying of Habakkuk, there was a good king that was over Judah. His name was Josiah. And Josiah... Uh, greatly desired to bring the nation back to the Lord. You know, he was the boy king. He took over when he was eight years old. And one of the first things that happened was they went into the house of God and they found a copy of the Word of God. His daddy, Manasseh, had shut the house of God up for 55 years. For 55 years, the house of God had not been attended. The Word of God had been completely lost. Here comes Josiah on the scene. First thing that happens is he opens back up the doors of the house of God, starts carrying the trash and the garbage out of the house of God, and they discover a copy of the Bible, the law of of God in the house of God, Josiah begins to read that thing. Fear grips his heart, and he leads the nation to a time of repentance and a nation in the nation in a time of returning to the Lord. It was a great, I'll tell you, one of the greatest revivals in the Old Testament, without doubt, was the revival under the boy king. Oh, Josiah. I like to read about Josiah, but remember what happened to him? 39 years old. That's young. 39 years old, he got caught up in a battle that he shouldn't have been fighting, and he got killed, and now he's gone. And when Josiah got killed in the plains of Megiddo, the, the very same place where the battle of Armageddon is going to be fought, he got killed in that valley, and when he got killed, his son Jehoiakim became king over, over the land of Judah. And can I tell you something? Jehoiakim was everything his daddy won. Josiah was a good king. Old Jehoiakim didn't care anything about God. Josiah wanted to honor the Word of God. Jehoiakim didn't care, give a hoot about the Word of God. In fact, he's the prophet. Remember this? He's the prophet that uh, they started reading the Word of God to Jeremiah and Barak, the scribe, wrote down the prophecies of Jeremiah. They took it and read it to the king, and he reached in his pocket and pulled out a penknife, started cutting it up, and just threw it in the fire in a great act of defiance. Boy, I want to tell you something. The nation, it was all downhill from there. Well, here's Habakkuk now. He's seeing all this stuff go on in his land. And he sees his nation in a time of great wickedness, in a time of great ungodliness. He sees the king thumbing his nose in the face of a, of a holy God in defiance. And I kind of see a picture of where we're at today. We look around in our land today and we see a, a land that is filled with great ungodliness and great wickedness. We've just lost, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I hope we haven't, but I mean, it looks like we've just lost our president. You know, I, I've been praying like you have, but I, it looks like we've just lost one and the one that's coming in behind him isn't even in the same area code. In the same zip code. He ain't even the same country of the one that's getting ready to leave. And we look around and we see all of that. 
And Habakkuk said, I just want to tell you, I'm carrying a load. I see what's happening in our land, and it is a burden to me. It is a burden to see what's going on in our land. That's what the prophet, he's talking about, the burden that he has, a perplexing burden. Anybody in this room tonight, and I, I know that I'm speaking to the cream of our crop here at Woodland, but I want to tell you something, I understand this. We look around and see what's going on in our country tonight. It's a burden. My heart's burden. I know your heart's burden. My heart's broke over this. I can't believe this is happening in America. I can't believe that we're heading down the road that we're heading in. I, I can't. It's a burden. It's a perplexing burden. I know how he feels. You know how he feels. It's a burden, a perplexing burden. But he moves from that now. He moves from that perplexing burden and he comes to his own personal battles. Personal battles. If you look at verse number two, he said, okay, I see it. I'm carrying this load. Then he comes to verse number two and he starts talking about, you know, God, I'm, I'm calling out to you. I'm, I'm crying out to you because of the burden that I see. The burden that I'm carrying. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm taking it to you, God. I, God, I'm praying about it. I'm crying out to you. And by the way, that's a good thing to do with life's burdens. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Too many of us take them to the Lord and then pick them back up and take them back to the seat. I said us. Been there, done that, bought t-shirts. But God, uh, Habakkuk said, Lord, I just want to tell you, I see all this happening. And I just want to tell you, I am crying out unto you. He's burdened. He's calling out unto God uh, about all that's going on in, in, in his life and in his, and in his land. But if you look at verse 2, verse 3, and verse number 4, he reaches two wrong conclusions about God. First of all, he says in verse number 2, talking about crying, he said, my prayer is unheard. My prayer is unheard. Look at verse 2. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry? And then he says this. You ain't listening. I call out to you, God. I cry. But no matter how long I cry, no matter how loud I cry, you're not hearing me. You ever felt like that before? God, I've got this burden. I'm carrying this heavy load. God, I see what's happening. I, I understand it all, and I'm calling out to you. I'm crying out to you. But it just seems like you're not listening. It seems like I'm calling, but you are not answering. Boy, I've been there before. You pray, you persist, you plead, and it seems like there's no answer. Now, let me stop and tell you something. God always answers prayers. Always answers. He may not answer them in our time frame, but he always answers prayer. If he's not, if he doesn't answer prayer, then he's lied to us in his word, and God can't lie. We know that. Titus 1 verse 2. God states clearly, emphatically, God cannot lie. And he tells us in the word, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. So we understand one thing. When we pray, if our hearts are right with God, God's going to answer our prayer. Now, sometimes it's right away. Sometimes it's wait a while. Sometimes it's a negative answer. But God answers our prayers. But Habakkuk said, I see all this. I'm carrying this load and I call to you. But Lord, you ain't listening. I felt like that before. And so have you. My prayer is unheard. But then look again at this text. Not only did he say my prayer is unheard, but he said my God is unconcerned. 
Look what he says in verse number 3. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me. And there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. He said, God, I'm calling to you, but it seems like you're not answer, answering. And God, just looking at the situation, it just kind of looks like to me you don't even care about it. It looks like to me you're completely unconcerned about it. Look what he said there in verse 3. Violence is everywhere. Does that not describe our land? Did you see those people last week? Those people just coming up behind them and popping them in the head and knocking them down. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about 70, 80 year old men and they were just coming up behind them and hitting them in the head. Not Violence is covering our land. The law of God is slacked. In other words, it's, that word slacked actually carries with the idea of being set aside or forgotten. You've got to agree with me when I say it. it looks like in our nation the law of God has been forgotten. It's been set aside. And I told you in the days of Hezekiah, Hezekiah uh, was a good king, led the nation to revival. His boy Manasseh comes on the scene, 55 years, shuts up the house of God, and, and they can't even find the Word of God. I mean, there's one copy found in the house of God under a bunch of rubbish. I'm telling you, we're living in a day when the Word of God has been forgotten and just set aside in our nation. Habakkuk said, I'm looking at my culture, at my country, and it's disintegrating right before my very eyes, he says. Look on down at Verse number three, violence are before me. They that raise up strife and contention, the law is slack, and it seems like that judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceeded. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like I'm reading tomorrow morning's edition of the Winston-Salem Journal. That's what it sounds like I'm reading right there. The law is slacked. I mean, man, it's just set aside. Nobody's paying attention to what God has to say. Violence is covering our land. It seems like judgment, don't we preach that judgment's coming? Verse number four, judgment don't ever go. And he just reaches the conclusion, God, you're just unconcerned about all of it. Well, I want to tell you something. If it matters to us, it matters to God. God is not, God is not unconcerned. So he's crying out, God, how long? When are you going to do something about this? God, this isn't right. When are you going to do something? It was a personal battle going on inside of the prophet Habakkuk. You know, if we aren't careful when things begin to happen and we feel like that God is not answering our prayer and we feel like that God has grown unconcerned, if we're not careful, one of three things may happen to us. First of all, we may check out on God. That is, we might start hitting and missing church and ultimately maybe just quit coming to church altogether. A lot of people, when things begin to happen and they pray and try to talk to God about it and the answer doesn't come immediately and then they just begin to think, well, God don't even care about this. What do they do? They get bitter toward God and they just eventually get out of church. They check out. Others back out. Sometimes when things begin to happen in people's life, the burdens come and the problems come and they cry out to God about it and God seemingly doesn't answer and doesn't do something about it. Then they say, must not be no God, no way. And they just stop believing in God altogether. But let me tell you something. When things begin to happen in your life, and though you may cry and it seems like God is in concern, don't you check out. 
Don't you back out. You hang out. Hang out with God. Hey, can I tell you something? Hang in there with God. Because you never know when God is about to do something great. So here's old Habakkuk. Man, he's seeing the burden. I see it. Wickedness, ungodliness on every side. That battle's going on on the inside of him. Where's God at in all this? I mean, we believe God's going to judge. God's not going to let stuff go like this without judgment. But judgment never comes. You know, if we aren't careful at that point, many people think, well, you know, God's, God's just unplugged himself. He's disconnected himself from us. What is that verse over to Ecclesiastes chapter 8? It says, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. In other words, uh, people think, well, man, I'm getting by with this. Evidently, God don't care no way, and they just, their hearts get harder, and they get fully set in the evil that they're pursuing. I'm telling you something, friend. If God is the God of this Bible that he says he is, and he is, God will judge sin. God will judge it. We don't want that. I'd, I'd a whole lot rather for God to respond in mercy and in grace, but I mean, he tells us in the Bible, be sure your sins will find you out. Judgment will come. Thank God God does it. God, God is a God of great patience and God is a God of long suffering because if he wasn't, probably wouldn't many of us be in here tonight. This crowd would be a lot thinner than it is if God wasn't a God of patience and, and a God of, of long suffering. I thank him that he is, but I promise you this, he will judge. Listen to this verse, 1 Timothy 5, 24. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before the judgment, and some men they follow after. In other words, the, uh, Paul said that sometimes you can just see the judgment of God working in a person's life, but if you can't see it here, it, it'll be dealt with over there. And that's the way it is with sin. The prophet is saying, man, I'm struggling with this. I'm praying, but no answer. God just seems like he don't even care about what's happening down here. And if we aren't careful, we'll get those wrong attitudes and notions about us. We'll say our prayers are unheard. We'll say our God is unconcerned. When in reality, God does hear prayer and God is concerned about what's happening in our lives. But there's a personal battle going on in the lives of many of us sitting in this room tonight. You know, we may not be like Habakkuk and be very vocal about it, but there's not a one of us in this room tonight that hasn't said it one time or another. God, where are you at? God, why don't you do something about this? Not a one of us. I know we, we're, we, we're too spiritual to say it out loud. I get that. We don't want to hurt our testimony. I get all that. But there's not a one of us in here that hadn't said before, Lord, I don't understand this. God, I don't get it. God, I, I just tell you, Lord, I, I would have thought by now you would have done something. Where are you? That's the problem of the prophet. You ever been there before? Now watch this. There's a perplexing burden. There's a personal battle. I just don't feel like God cares. But I want you to look down to verse number 5. And I want to talk about this. Habakkuk's promised blessing. Now in verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, and verse number 4, we have the prophet talking to God. In verse number 5, God talks back to the prophet. 
Now, he's already asked up there in verse 2, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? But can I give you some good news? God heard. Because in verse 5, he answered him. Look at verse 5. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. For I, will, for I will work a work in your days, which you will not believe, though it be told you. All right, Habakkuk. So you think, first of all, I don't answer your prayer. Just let me tell you, I've been listening to you. The answer's on its way. And Habakkuk, you think that I'm unconcerned. And what you don't know is, son, I have been working behind the scenes the whole time. And what I'm about to do, Habakkuk, is going to call... You're not, you're, you're not even going to believe what I'm going to do. Isn't that just like our God? About the time you and I think, man, he don't care, he's not listening, he's totally indifferent to it all. God said, I've been listening the whole time. I've been hearing what you said, and I'm about to do something you won't even believe it. And by the way, if you'll look on down in this chapter... Uh, Habakkuk didn't get the answer that he was looking for. Because God said in verse number 6, I just want to tell you something. I'm getting ready to bring the Chaldeans upon this outfit. God said, I'm, I've been preparing a nation over here in the north. I've been working with them. I, I've been getting them ready the whole time you thought I wasn't doing anything. You just didn't know what I was doing. You thought I wasn't even listening when I was listening. But I've been working over here and I'm getting ready to bring this crowd to that crowd, your crowd over here, and this crowd is going to judge your crowd for what they have been doing. God said, I'm, I'm going to work. I'm not letting anybody by with anything. Nobody gets by with nothing. God said, I'm going to straighten it all out. I'm going to handle it all, and you are going to be amazed by what I do. Now, I get to thinking about us here in this situation and what God did to Habakkuk, he didn't give him an explanation. He just gave him a revelation. And by the way, this is going to trouble the prophets. We're going to see next time. Now he's got this question, how are you going to use Babylon to chastise us when they're meaner than we are? Isn't that amazing? So God answers his prayer, and now he's scratching his head thinking, this ain't right. Can we ever be satisfied? God, don't, why don't you do something? I'm praying. You just seem unconcerned. Oh, I'm going to do something. God. This ain't fair. I mean, we can't be satisfied, can we? See, like to me, man, we just, we just always in a mess. Am I right? So he said, I'm, I'm bringing these Chaldeans down here, and you talk about a whooping. This crowd over here is getting ready to get a whooping, and I've been working the whole time you didn't even know it. Now, I don't know about you. God didn't give him an explanation. God just gave him a revelation. God didn't explain himself God didn't explain his actions. God just said, I'm getting ready to do something. And I wonder tonight in this service, maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe that burden is heavily upon you. Maybe you're carrying a heavy load tonight and you've been crying out, God, please do something. I don't understand. It seems like this crowd's forgot all about you. They don't want to serve you. And yet, Lord, it just seems like they're getting by. God said, no, 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 they're not getting by. I'm working. I'm going to do something that you're not even going to believe what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to straighten it all out. You just got to trust me. And can I just say this tonight in America? I don't want God to bring the Chaldeans on us. Do you? I don't think in our day the Chaldeans, but the Chaldeans lived over in what would be today Iran and Iraq. 
I don't want God to bring the Iranians on us. Do you? Those people with those diapers on their head? I don't want God to bring that crowd over here. I'd rather for us to repent and have revival. What if we could read this in the positive sense? Hey, I'm getting ready to do something you won't believe. Hey, what if God is about to kick the door open, Biden and all? You think Biden can stop revival to God's people if God wants to send revival? What if God says, hey, I'm getting ready to do something so great, so big. You thought, man, all was lost. I've just been working behind the scenes over here. And I'm getting ready to do something so great you won't even believe it. Who knows? That's why we got to hang in here. That's why we can't quit now. We can't let down now. We can't get bitter now. We can't get angry now. We just got to trust the Lord that he's working even when we don't think he is. And he's listening when we don't think he is. Can I tell you something? God is listening to you tonight. And God is working in your situation, though you may think he's not. That's the, that's the point of this text tonight. I am at work. So I just want to encourage you tonight and tell you this, whatever you're facing, understand one thing, God's at work. God is at work. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray tonight.